Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you perfectly. All right, so the mic's good? Yeah, the mic is good, and uh, now we are straight recording, but what I'll do is uh, that I'll make a little introduction and cut out just us uh, getting into the talk in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right, so uh, I have no uh, uh, like rules or anything for this. It's just a hangout, a friendly talk uh, that I uh, am going to publish. Uh, I assume, just thought we could uh, philosophize a little bit and discuss maybe politics or whatever is on your mind these days. Right, okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, this is my first time doing uh, anything really like this, so... Uh, this is, this is exciting. It's interesting. Yes. And, uh, that's cool. And I'm really happy that you decided to, uh, well, to join me for this talk. Uh, my podcast isn't very big. I have, uh, three or 400 people listening to it every month, more or less. Mm. And, uh, it has been, uh, sleeping for a while. But I uh, think uh, one of the best ways to get back into it is to talk to someone as young and bright as you. Because uh, I've been, uh, well, from what I see, what you're writing and uh, some of your ideas and stuff, you seem uh, very in tune with uh, what is right and what is good, or at least trying to figure that out. Yeah, well, thank you. I... I um... I'm trying. I'm certainly trying. I um. I was. I wanted to ask you too. Like, what? What exactly? Um. I don't know how you originally uh, found me or, or saw me. What was the first thing you saw from me? I was curious about that. Yeah, uh, I don't really remember. Um, did I follow you first, or was it the other way around? Um, I'm not actually. I may have followed you first. I'm not totally sure. Yeah. Either. Hmm. Well, uh, I just noticed uh, that you were writing uh, about Nietzsche and uh, some of the ideas of, uh, of manhood and of self-mastery in a bigger way than an individualist perspective, but mm. on a like, societal level. And I didn't know how old you you were, but I could see that you were pretty young. And there's not that many people who are, are you 18 or 19 now? Uh, yeah, I'm 18 now. Yes, there's not that many people your age who preoccupy themselves with thoughts like that. I mean, there are a few. Uh, yeah, I was the same when I was your age, but uh, I didn't write anything anywhere. I just started three or four years ago to to even make something public mm -hmm. yeah i it's it's been uh it's been interesting i i uh i don't i don't exactly know what what compelled me to start um it, it i mean the first thing i wrote was was um i don't know if you've read it or not but it was published in marion west and it was you know it was much more um i guess it, it it dealt more overtly with politics or with um, kind of the culture war, as it were, um, mm. you know, and, and, and that's kind of what I suppose the culture war to some degree is what brought me into 
uh, investigating, you know, um, deeper philosophical thought and, 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 you know, kind of more fundamental ideas about what it means to, to think and to live and to be human and all those things. Because I think, I think those kind of questions are at the, really at the bottom of all, all of our conflicts um, and all of our issues. Yeah, definitely. There's uh, a lot of uh, projection going on lately where mm-hmm. people find enemies and other people based on difference of opinion. But that has only increased after one side has started demanding that another side follow along, not just through, well, like in the meme world, but through speech and thought and behavior. And because you're 18 years old, you must have noticed this pretty swiftly, uh, but I'm, I'm 30 and uh, I didn't start noticing some of the lunacy that has been going on until I was around 22 or 23 because it didn't start to happen before I was around that age. Hmm. So it came after, like uh, I, was, I was really carefree in the 2000s. Everyone was just mm-hmm. having fun and then things started to slide. <laughs> very hard and very fast yeah yeah i kind of get i kind of got that sense that you know you know i was seeing people seeing people say things well at first it was kind of just you know political commentators i was hearing say things like oh you know like this is and it's somewhat you know in their interest to do so to to try and make uh the cultural crises seem worse than they are right um but it, it, it seemed evident to me that, you know, when people, you know, some people like, like Jordan Peterson or kind of like these people that were, you know, real, have some real intellectual grounding, you know, perhaps coming out of the universities too, in, in particular, like when those people start, start coming out of the woodwork and, you know, saying like, okay, there's something going on here that's, uh, that's anomalous, you know, that's, that's not normal, um, you know, there's some, there's some cultural shift that's, that's substantial right now. You know, I was like, okay, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe there is a reason to pay attention, right? Yeah, most definitely. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, the Jordan Peterson character, his rise and his fall. I'm not trying to, to say anything negative about him now, but uh struggles that he has had to deal with and uh, the assaults upon his character it reminds me of the philosopher who walked around and uh, were telling young men wrong ideas and then they forced him to drink the poison (laughs) yeah yeah no it is very similar it's certainly i mean he his story is quite incredible especially because i've been you know actually you know, essentially following him probably more than, than any single person, um, you know, for, you know, for, for the longest amount of time. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's like, he, in some sense is, is the embodiment of like his, he speaks so much about archetypes and about, um, you know, kind of these primordial mythic, uh, 
ways of being. And it, it's, his, it's, it's quite incredible how, uh, how his life, you know, in recent years at least, has, has kind of you know, mimicked the very, uh, very modes of being he talks about. You know, he has he, his 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 actual life has become like has a has become a myth in and of itself, right? Where he's embodied those myths. And that's you know, kind of what I've been seeing, and I think that's why why people are drawn to him, why you know why young men find him, you know, in particular find him so attractive, and um, you know that he that he's you know, kind of a, a leader, a, a, some kind of moral leader. Uh, yes. I would agree, and uh, he uh, tried his best. Um, I think it picks up young men to, in particular, because of the climate that young men are growing up in, with uh, white male privilege and all these, uh, uh, yeah, different ways of. Uh, making young men feel like they are less or like they are bad people. And then he comes along and presents uh, quite a spectacular story, one that I happen to believe in pretty firmly. I am a believing Christian, but I'm not going to let that affect my conversation too much. But I just found it interesting that he uh, was able to uh, reach through to these demoralized men because we have all felt demoralized at some point especially me around the time when the nonsense started picking up in steam and i was like am i the only one seeing this <laughs> or am i going mad and why is no one saying anything <laughs> yeah yeah no i had a i had a very similar experience especially you know seeing seeing classmates in high school you know when i was Really, when I was sixteen, um, you know, seeing, seeing, seeing people my age be completely like, either well, either you know, if if they weren't paying attention at all, or they were actively, you know, engaging in 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 whatever the the, the dogma of the day was, right, with no thought, it was just, you know, and and and, you know, not exactly knowing that the correct answer myself but but having some intuition that there's something not quite right about that about you know whatever kind of ridiculous claim was being made uh axiomatic you know t today and then you know how you know however that changed tomorrow or or uh you know arbitrarily right it was you know and that's i that's what compelled me to start to start writing i think you know in particular was i it, it was especially after uh, the the George Floyd uh, situation last year that you know I really felt that pressure to um, you know how much easier it would be to simply to simply go along with 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 the crowd to not to not question to to simply you know give in to you know essentially uh, you know a, a kind of comfortable conformity that that I think is always looming over us. But it's, you know, but having having some feeling in my conscience that it wasn't. There's something about doing that that was worse than not going through, with, you know, investigating, what what was actually going on and and you know any alternative, 
trying to actually, you know, the, the, the actual pursuit of truth being worth something more than, you know, ease of mind, temporary ease of mind. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> it's quite interesting because have you noticed that one of the things that Jordan Peterson talks a lot about is <clears throat> the story of Pinocchio, mm -hmm. that he lies and lies and lies and uh, his nose grows longer and then he has to go down into the underworld. And then he is talking about a specific movement with totalitarians who do heinous things and who believe very firmly that there is no truth, which is very funny because truth is what scares them the most. Because if you start telling the truth about what is happening and why and how to fix it, they will seek to censor you or put you into a category which dehumanizes you instead of actually engaging with your thoughts and or ideas. Mm -hmm. and and, it, uh, I, was going to, I was going to say it's, it, it, it collapses their meaning structure, right? So they, you know, it's, it's, it's actually dangerous for them because they have to, you know, if, if their, if their dogmas are questioned, then they have to rethink, they, there's no limit essentially to what they have to rethink about, about their, their worldview, right? I mean, they have to, it might be that they have to go all the way back down to first principle and build up from there. And that's very difficult to do. And it takes, you know, that it's, it takes courage to do that. You know, and so when you've built, you know, uh, perhaps an entire or tried to build an entire society from, you know, if you, if you find out that you've built your entire society on a, on a lie or a, or a, you know, the, the incorrect first principles, then, you know, I mean, God, that's a, that's a, it's a terribly difficult thing to confront. Yeah, uh, it's very hard to undo once it has been, uh, implemented and uh, that is uh, the greatest thing to my mind about Jordan Peterson as a thinker and as a motivational speaker is that he was able to penetrate through to demoralized men or young boys in the process of a propaganda operation that seeks to undo our humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And therefore, they called him dangerous. Mm -hmm. and he was right-wing, and he was a Nazi, and he's this, and he's that. And yeah, it's, it's quite interesting, all of this, how they have been able to spin it. And uh, as they say, Politics is downstream from culture. And I think that culture is downstream from spirituality. And by that, I mean, if you have the, the spark within you, uh, you don't necessarily have to believe in God, but that you at least have some sort of like childish curiosity 
about maybe something good existing in the world as opposed to uh, yeah everything is uh, completely random and there is no purpose here to begin with and i have noticed a very heavy overlap between wokeism and demoralization nihilism and materialistic atheism mm -hmm. you know i think those are all brilliant insights i think yeah i mean i think that it's it's very curious the the kind of um you know and it, especially it's 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 obvious in all the contradictions right i mean there's there's all kinds of woke beliefs about sexuality about about uh, i don't know uh, romantic relationships about um religion you know uh, organized religion versus you know atheism and science and whatnot and and you know there's an endless number of contradictions among these things but it doesn't yes. it almost doesn't matter because because there's a you know there and i think this is something that jordan peterson has talked about uh, in particular too my, certainly other people too but there's a you know there's an inherent nihilism underneath of all of it that you know that says there you know there is no truth there is no there is there is nothing already there to be discovered Rather, we, you know, we, we essentially just construct everything from essentially out of nothing, right? And when that happens, you, you know, or when people presuppose that, right, there's, there's a lack of, there's a lack of, of grounded, you know, guiding morality that, that, you know, allows for some, some structure for the for the for the for the you know any new idea that that gets that gets um, articulated to have you know any proper grounding in in what makes us and really what makes us human what makes us what what allows us to lead meaningful lives that are you know that are fulfilling and 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 um, and and provide us with 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 the necessary um, tools to kind of day by day live our lives without making the world a worse place or by you know completely uh, ruining the good that already exists instead of being able to just to to recognize what's there and then to build upon it yes it is an endless series of contradictions that do not align or match up with one another in the first place uh, in a bigger well yeah, bigger perspective uh, you can see this through architecture and art as well mm -hmm. and you can find a red line of thinking i'm not going to be too good with mentioning specific names now but there is a red line of thinking that goes from the enlightenment until today mm -hmm. that is very anti-human in rhetoric uh, so uh, what we're standing and watching right now is 
that we are required through discourse, writing, work, relationships, and otherwise to get going a new sort of enlightenment. And that has been uh, ongoing for a while on the internet, uh, the dark intellectual dark web and all that stuff and then of course you also have uh, people with computer skills who are not thinking about that at all but they are on the technical side trying to find other options that go outside of the propaganda ministry rules of engagement Mm -hmm. so Therefore, I think engaging in this way is just very important. And that's why I thought it was so cool. Now, I haven't uh, reread your stuff right before we started talking here on this podcast. I should have done that, uh, but I've been very busy today. But what I have read uh, has been uh, just very, uh, very good. I am... uh, impressed well thank you very much that's that's it means a lot uh to hear you say that and to hear uh, you know whenever i get feedback i'm very grateful so you know i i am trying to do my best to lead culture in a better direction in a more in a more uh human focused direction and you know because i i do think you know, to go back to what you said about culture being downstream or politics being downstream from culture and culture being downstream from uh, spirituality. I think that's exactly right. And I think that what we need to do is to go back in some sense to first principle to, you know, to kind of examine our, the roots of our, really of our, of our morals and our, our, our presuppositions about, you know, what it means to have a good life, to live a good life, to have a good life. Um, and so, you know, that, that starts at the individual level. Yes. And this is what, uh, the universities have been tasked traditionally mm-hmm. to, uh, to do. And then, uh, some time around, I'm not sure. I think it was 2004. I first started noticing it. But then 2008 came around, and then Obama's presidency. I'm not trying to tie it to him directly now. But something started happening with, with the whole woke thing. And I started seeing it more and more. I was then attending uh, comparative politics in Bergen. Uh, I only did that for two years. Uh, I quit and found work doing something else. And then at quite a late age, at the age of uh, 27, I decided to uh, do one year of English literature while I was also working. And uh, it was so strange because I had been uh, seeing some of this on YouTube. Uh, At this time, it was mostly the trolls going after these people with all the wrecked feminist videos and all that nonsense. Uh, but I had seen some of that stuff and I was just like totally flabbergasted. I didn't understand what was going on, like how, how they could think like that. Mm-hmm. 
And so uh, when I started at the university, English <clears throat> language, uh, it was like straight out of Canada. And this was in Norway. They yeah, had right. just incorporated everything mm -hmm. from the Canadian place. Just got shipped over from North America. Yes. And uh, you need to uh, question who the people are who are producing this stuff uh, and find out who they are, like uh, just who funds them and for what purpose. That's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, that's, I mean, that's why it's it's so it, we're in such a difficult position now. I don't, you know, I I'm I'm not um, enrolled in college right now. I'm taking essentially a gap year at least, um, and uh, you know, it's I I just I don't see how it's it's not at all easy. It's so it's actually ridiculously difficult to to know what to know where you could actually get a, a a decent and fair representation of really any field any intellectual field or pursuit uh in in, in our current um you know university climate it's it's incredibly especially in north america i mean it's the odds that you get you know something that's uh, that you that you find something or someone that's that's truly still devoted to you know real education is i mean it's it's so at least to me it seems so sparse that you know it's almost not worth it's well it's, it's probably not worth taking the risk of you know incredible debt and and all sorts of other things and wasted time on a degree perhaps no in the current climate that's how it is but you should still <clears throat> do it but as a freelancer you don't have to be tied up with those places at all you can still mm -hmm. uh, become great at what you do and what you write uh, if they are going to perform their conduct in such a fashion it's uh, very easy to fall into left, right, or communist, fascist, uh, whatever doctrine. But that's not so relevant, really, when it comes to... So every time when... If you want to find out who ruled another people a long time ago, then the first thing you look at is language. Who controlled mm -hmm. the language? And there you have the reason for why they want to control language. Right, and then yeah. it's the dehumanization of, uh, for instance, the oldest word in English language or in the human language is mother, mutter, mur. These ancient words. And now, now we're not supposed to use that word anymore because it might offend someone right yeah. so uh, we're canceling mothers now <laughs> oh, yeah actually yes we, we we quite literally are yes uh in like a grander scheme this has to do with transhumanism and technology as well we're on the verge of uh, some uh, really big shift as you can now sense with 
COVID and the lockdown and the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff happening all at once. But these people or entities, I'm not sure if I, I'll call them entities, <laughs> who uh, put it upon themselves to uh, propagandize such things into existence they are uh, very clever at the top and then they have all these people talking back the cult nonsense until it starts manifesting in reality so uh, it's dangerous and uh, it's not a joke and or something to take like lightly it, it's it's literally not a joke anymore but still we should have uh, courage and a smile and make jokes <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah i mean it's you know it, it it is quite incredible how much how much uh, our world is is becoming um is becoming kind of postmodern theory in that and I don't mean that like uh, in that the like the like uh, postmodernism as a philosophy or whatever is taking over necessarily, but I mean like um, you know how the, our kind of ideas about these kind of dystopian visions, um, you know, whether it's George Orwell or I think actually Aldous Huxley, Huxley was was actually much more um, on point about. You know how uh, how population would be would be eventually controlled or eventually um, come to be dehumanized. You know, essentially dehumanizing itself by by uh, refusing to live by any meaningful standard. Um, you know, I think it, it's quite incredible how how quickly you know we've come to a place where those kinds of visions. Uh, of the future are just, are, you know, becoming more and more uh, aligned with reality. And, you know, I think, I think you're right that, you know, it's very easy to become cynical about these sorts of things. Um, you know, especially when you see the kind of conformity and, and, and uh, moral degradation, uh, you know, that just, it seems to get worse every day, you know, uh, but I, I, I do think that there's, that, that fundamentally we there is a there is a drive in us to to become you know I guess to, to use a kind of you know how how Jung and, and and I suppose Nietzsche too would kind of put it um, you know to, there there is a will in us to become who we are in the fullest sense you know to 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 allow our souls to to actually flourish in the world you know and not merely think of ourselves as as Kind of material entities, uh, or 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 simply, um, you know, be grasping at at uh, you know meaning structures that are superfluous or have no grounding in in in, in culture or people, um, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, we could, I mean, I could I could talk a lot about I think how how Nietzsche, in particular, is is extraordinarily relevant to. To everything that you know that's kind of that we're seeing now in culture um you know we essentially predicted all sorts of things that are that are happening right now um, yeah i would like love to get into that 
Uh, I used to read Nietzsche uh, a lot. It's uh, been a while now since I read him thoroughly, but uh, I have uh, been sort of uh, talking about him on my own podcast. And if there's one thing I completely agree with is that he had an uncanny ability to predict and foresee things. But at the same time, I feel like his mantra and dogma, from the way that I read it, it may be different from your interpretation, uh, sort of defeats your soul a bit at the same time. You understand what I mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've certainly, I've heard, I'm not exactly sure what, um, I'd like to, I'd really like to hear what, what, um, how you think, uh, how you think he, he, there's a, there's almost, a, it sounds like you, you think there's almost a betrayal of, 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 of the soul perhaps in, in Nietzsche's writing in some way. And this is what I, you know, I, I thought it would be interesting, uh, you know, thinking about before we talked, um, and now that you said that you are a Christian, or that you consider yourself a Christian, that you know, what 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 is your view of Nietzsche, um, kind of more broadly, especially in our modern context? I'd be really curious about that. Yeah, my view of Nietzsche in a broader broader uh, context is that he was obviously a genius, and he was a sad person who was alone much of the time. And I believe that at, towards the end of his life, uh, like at the edge of him going mentally insane, I believe that he suffered from schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. And that's a theory that I have that those people, for some reason, are able to tap into what Jung refers to as the collective unconscious. And then mm. sometimes they can have bad experiences or life can go a certain way, or they can just get too much information and therefore it uh, fries the capacities. It becomes too much to handle. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, as a Christian, I, I do not take offense to him or anything like that. And, uh, but I just found it very interesting how he references himself as, I mean, this is towards his madness, granted, but he references himself as Dionysus the mad, uh, the god of wine, mm. versus the crucified. And... Uh, what I mean then is that he assaulted the heart of our civilization in a way. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think, well, I think you're right. I think he, I think he definitely did. I haven't, I haven't actually, I haven't read all of Nietzsche's works or anything like that. Um, so I'm not, I'm certainly not an expert, but he's, he's certainly piqued my curiosity, especially recently. Um, and I've started to read him, but more sensibly anyway. Uh, but I think I think he definitely did. I think that's a that's actually a, a, a 
it's actually a, a, a nod to his brilliance to to say that he he I, I do think he shook the foundations of our culture in a in a pretty substantial way um, and I, I don't think it's it's difficult because he's it is it is it actually is quite ironic and funny that that he you know that he was this kind of isolated uh, this isolated incel essentially who you know had all these insights but you know he w was was especially given many of the things he said about you know the will to power and and what the ubermensch was or would be you know uh, given his own life um, but I don't know I guess we could I guess what I would add what I would posit to you is or I guess can can, can you go into more how exactly you think uh, like what do you think was was exactly negative about what uh, Nietzsche said perhaps in particular about the, about uh, Dionysus being uh, I don't know it, well it's almost like he he kind of uh, seemed to think that Dionysus was a was a better model than you know say Christ or something like that or the spirit of Dionysus Yes. Uh, so what I think is that he very correctly observed that the European middle class and the Christian community and society and their values and their morals were not uh, in line with what they were preaching. Mm. Uh, so what he did was that he, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I'm not negatively predisposed uh, towards him as a character or as a person. I find him uh, to be one of the most fascinating characters in thinking history. But what he did through his writing is that if you feel like you have been hurt or abandoned in some way, and this perhaps is not relevant to the ideas that he was producing. Maybe this is a detour, I shouldn't even visit, but I think it's relevant. When you feel like you're being assaulted, like for instance, if you are a young white man and everyone is telling you that you are horrible and an enabler of rape culture, and especially if you're not that successful with women, which was the case in uh, well, in his case, um, you have a tendency to latch out and attack and assault. And that's not necessarily a bad thing on its own. But what I think Nietzsche really did is I think he was one of the greatest postmodern influences on Western thought. Because ironically, I think he postmodernized the mind. Mm. Interesting, and that uh, has to do with his, with his angle, some of his personal shortcomings. We all have them. Uh, I have not been a perfect uh, character in my entire life either, uh, but the last five years, at least, have been a pretty good and upstanding citizen so uh anyone can uh, can fall down and then it's 
important to realize how you can build yourself up. Another thing I would add is that I find it interesting that his thoughts are very often used by uh, totalitarians on both the left and the right, mm -hmm. speaking historically. They may misinterpret him, but it, it kind of lends itself a little bit to people who fall into traps and that's not because they like to read Nietzsche but it's just an interesting correlation I think yeah I think I think that is a re really interesting correlation I had that um, reading I was actually reading the uh, the first essay of um, the genealogy of morals last night and there was a there's a passage um, that I read and it was very um, I, I got a I got a very acute sense of how like I read it and I was like, okay, yeah, this is exactly kind of what you know the Nazis in particular saw this and and, and you know essentially ran with it, right? Or or at least perhaps they didn't, you know, Hitler didn't I don't know if Hitler read the geneal genealogy of morals or morals or not, right? But you know, that, that was that was in the, the perhaps the collective unconscious, that idea. Yes. But I, I think I think it's actually I think we have to be open to the possibility that it's actually a good thing or that it says something about his ideas that's positive that it they lend themselves so well to the totalitarian impulse right in in that I think one like I think one of the key insights that he uh, that that he made was that the will the will to power, as he put it, or the or the animating power of of the individual, is not is not inherently bad, right? And that it's not, and that your instincts are not inherently bad, and that you have a there is an energy within you that, if channeled properly, actually can manifest the most good in the world. And perhaps it's easily corruptible. Perhaps it it can also, you know, be be this kind of impulse to totalitarian power, to tyranny, to you know even even genocidal tendencies, right? But it's but but it's also it's also what gives you life. It also is life itself, right? Like it like it. There's almost no other. There's no other. There's no other force that's more powerful than than the than the almost the beastly instincts that are that are in you. Right, they have the most, and so this is this is kind of him poking at the at the idea of the unconscious too. Is that there's a there is a a, a necessity in investigating in properly integrating your instincts, your 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 unconscious mind, essentially. And so I think that's really interesting. Um, yes, I agree. I think it's very interesting too. I've spent a lot of time reading about it and uh, trying to understand it on my own. Uh, that was, uh, well, now I'm jumping back here to, to Mr. Peterson, but that is uh, what is required right now. And I can sense that in young men, men mm -hmm. is that uh, they want a hero figure. So you have... Uh, the ancient like tale of the snake going around the world and then suddenly 
the man awakens and he battles this like snake but on an archetypical level the thing or the energy which is being produced right now that is uh, the great mother archetype but a twisted version it's uh, the one that's going to turn into a spider mm-hmm. and eat her babies mm-hmm. and it's like a big matriarchal like spider figure and uh, you can uh, well that's like the mass when you combine media and academia and some other things together yes and that will try to kill any little male spider that tries to go over to the eggs that are about to be hatched yeah this is i think this is exactly right i i i i've myself i've i've described the you know my own kind of for my own feelings about uh, well, education definitely, but yeah, I mean everything, everything really, all the media and 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 all the forces which attempt to coerce your mind and your soul, essentially, in our society today. But especially education, I think, in 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 my case, perhaps because you know I'm seeing, I'm seeing the the the, the inherent problems with with. You know, essentially, I see it. I see it. I see it, as, I see it as basically a lie. I mean, it's it's a lie that you that you at least today you go to university, and and you have your you have your 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 soul enlightened, and you and you uh, you get a degree, and 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 that's how you live a good life, right? And you spend essentially, you know, if you go for a PhD too. I mean, you you, you spend you spend your you know the peak years of your life being essentially just a some kind of uh, uh, slave in this system of of endless endless appeals appealing to authority, right? I mean, you there's never a time when you make your own decision. You're you're on this path, you know, basically forever, and you're always at the at the at the at the mercy of the people who you know happen to occupy those positions for whatever reason. Most of the reasons being arbitrary, I think, in in modern institutions, and so. You know, in that way, the the kind of that Nietzschean idea of, you know, of the self-made man or of the of the man who who voluntarily, you know, forges his own path, is incredibly powerful. And, and I think that's we we need more people that are willing to go that way. And we need fundamentally. That's why I think fundamentally courage is is what we need today. I mean, that's, that's what's most missing from our culture. If there's one, perhaps if there's, if there's one uh, character trait that, that we're most uh, dying for, you know, and I think, and I think Peterson is basically, you know, he's a manifestation of that. And he, that's what he tells young men to do. I mean, he tells them to, he tells them to be a monster, right? He tells them to, to, you know, find within them that, that drive and that passion for life. It's not for tyranny. It's not for material gain or for shallow, you know, consumption of, uh, of, of, you know, uh, or shallow engagement with, with lust or greed or any of those things, you know, it's, it's much deeper than that. And I think that's what, 
I think Nietzsche, I think that's what Nietzsche fundamentally was trying to get across was that um, there there is a there is an animating power within you that that cannot be uh, that cannot be activated unless you unless you go and act in the world unless you go and be courageous you know you can't just sit around and read books and, and like attain knowledge and all these things and think that you know you're you're going to self-actualize um yeah you have, so that's yeah. true uh, a couple of uh, i'll reply to some of the things you said so in today's situation especially in the united states you are quite correct in how it's playing out when they're saying in uh, higher institutions that two plus two can equal five and uh, all kinds of other weird things but there are real academics out there too who are doing very good work uh, for instance people trying to work with ethics in ai and so forth and uh, sort of butting their heads against the lie using the language they are being served and still fighting it from within so if the academies fall that's going to be a big problem uh, it seems like they have already fallen but really the solution is to go in there and win and that's where i'm hopeful because the propaganda ministry side they have now truly went far into it's they are just defeating themselves every day they defeat themselves that's my greatest hope uh, at the same time it's the greatest danger because they are a self-cannibalizing entity that produces nothing and worships the notion that truth does not exist so it's very uh, a very bad energy to have around but at the same time, it lends itself to self-destruction. So the whole point of it is to destroy things, different things, whatever it touches. Uh, the whole point of it is to just destroy everything. And the reason you do that is because you want to build something new. So that's why you have language and stuff like that. When it comes to Peterson and role model and the power within you, yes, I agree he did very good uh, on many fronts but at the same time there is something i will uh, mention about him and uh, that is that he got hooked on benzos which is a pharmaceutical uh, drug that dulls your senses and slows you down and makes you less aware of the world it's very brave new world new world order kind of a stuff and he uh, he went into that unfortunately but you know people can have a whole number of reasons for being the way they are there are people who are drug addicts who are actually very good and intelligent people uh, as well uh, nothing is written in stone so 
that is the great irony I feel with him. And the same with Nietzsche uh, when he he was sort of like trying to uh, tumble around with the gods, uh, like the Greek gods. He mm-hmm. was sort of like, uh, I think his consciousness was floating a bit uh, too high up and uh, messing with the gods. And yeah. I think maybe they played a bit around with him, but also gave him some good ideas. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he got a little too, he went a little too deep, yeah. I mean, and I, I think that's kind of the nature of, you know, perhaps that's that's the nature of those kinds of things is, you know, when you, there's a certain point at which you, you, you almost lose yourself in the ideas, right? And that's, you know, and that, that's kind of, that is the great danger of, you know, I don't know, of, of the intellectual or of intellectualism. Hmm. Ideology is... Not good, <laughs> generally speaking. But everyone, I suppose, has an ideology. But the problem with it is that you abandon yourself in favor of the mantra or the dogma. And this applies to everyone, me and you too. And it's very important to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... and- Oh, it's very interesting. I mean, I is it? It's almost like, at least in terms of Nietzsche, if we're talking about Nietzsche, it, for him, it was almost if you're going to try and put a box around his ideology, perhaps it's a. See, I don't know that it's exactly narcissistic in this way, but it is almost an ideology of the self, right? Like it's, it's this kind of, or at least the solution was so was so focused on the development of, of, of the self with, you know, that the, the, the discharging of, of your life energy into, uh, you know, the proper, the proper, um, modes of being or the proper, uh, you know, activities, uh, in order for you to be fulfilled that, you know, there is, you know, perhaps there's something, there's something lost in that, but, um, to comment on your, um, to go back to the right, you're you're talking about the universities and the academy. Um, I think, I, I guess I'm quite I'm I'm more cynical than you are in regards to uh, the ability uh, or the possibility of them uh, reorienting, at least as they stand, the structures themselves reorienting towards something better, even if they essentially they essentially have to be you know, destroyed and, and rebuilt. I think, um, I think, I really do think that, that new, new projects are essentially needed. I mean, we need, I don't like, I don't think it's, 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 it's practical at all to go and try and cleanse Harvard or, or, or anywhere for that matter of, of all of its ideology and all of its, all of its, uh, problems with financial uh, incentives and all those sorts of things. I mean, because there, there are problems beyond the ideology and the academies, uh, you know, kind of the whole peer review system uh, in the sciences is kind of, uh, in my opinion, it, it seems, it seems quite uh, stupid and arbitrary. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, wherever the weird, you know, uh, questionable, uh, 
uh, means of funding and all sorts of things to those, especially those bigger schools. Um, you know, so I, I'd be curious to what you what you think about that. I think, you know, I think building new schools is something. It's not easy, but I think it's certainly what what has to be done. Um, and there there is a there's a college. Um, it's called Ralston College. Um, if you've I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but they've had um, they've had uh, Jordan Peterson uh, speak for and and with them uh, alongside some other people uh, like uh, Roger Scruton um, before he passed away. Uh, you know, and and so like they're they are an example of of kind of the thing that I that I see as being necessary for for cultures is you know they're they're trying to build. They're trying to build a new, and I think that I think that fundamentally that's what we have to do. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, that is likely the most practical solution. Uh, but we come from two different places here in Norway. Uh, they have gotten started, but they are being met with much more opposition than in seemingly than in the United States but at the same time you have a whole underground like uh, James Lindsay and other well professional uh, academics and or trolls going at it and they seem to be uh, smarter than the opposition so uh, it's definitely worthwhile uh, I am now involved in an institution myself. I am becoming a priest uh, or a theologian. And I haven't seen too much of the... Well, if they listen to this, maybe they'll kick me out. But of the sub subversion. But I've seen a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's starting to happen. So... Uh, we have some uh, giants to fight, but they're not really giants because they are so easily, really easily picked apart. Uh, seriously, it's not hard. It's just that they insist on their way. Um, but it's so self-cannibalizing. If you go to some of the most woke areas or whatever you want to call it, you can just see how it's going to turn out. Uh, suddenly, like, I, then, so I'm supposed to be able to go to a female's locker room where there are children with my uh, private parts hanging out. And uh, that's supposed to be okay. And mm -hmm. so any person who has any sort of, like, <laughs> thought process behind that will come to realize that what you're doing is inviting a potential predator into a situation where he can easily get access to a victim. And so those communities are just falling and rotting apart. But that's because that's the whole... <sighs> point of it because mm -hmm. it's supposed to destroy society and uh, right. so people they think like oh 
is it the Chinese doing this to us or is it this or is it them? But it's our own people, the, the people in charge of the West. They have decided that the Chinese model is what we're supposed to go after. So they're just uh, implementing the protocols that they know work and uh, they figure out how this works in the Soviet Union and in Hitler's empire. If you <clears throat> follow the money and see who funded that and for what reason is the same type of entities. Uh, so that's why it's dangerous, but they are now running around and they have sent their minions ahead and we will have to deal with it we're just gonna have to or the alternative is gonna be we're gonna have to live in that <laughs> right yeah well yeah i mean I, I think what's i think what's interesting is that at least from from my perspective most of it's happening unconsciously right i mean these it's it's not like there's you know, this is why I, get, I, be, I become somewhat frustrated with, with some uh, perhaps right-wing people who, who, uh, who correctly identify or correctly talk about, justifiably, reference problems um, in our society and, and, and parallels between, uh, you know, our our kind of the way our culture is moving and you know totalitarian societies, particularly communist China right now. Um, there, I, I become somewhat frustrated that you know they 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 assume that there's some you know some uh, direct or overt conspiracy that you know that these people are you know these people are now some there are some people you know to be fair on on Twitter at least that are you know ironically or or unironically communists you know self-identify as communists or or is you know and and most of, a lot of those people have. If they're if they put communist in their Twitter bio, they also have their pronouns and you know all of their various um, supposed disabilities and and whatnot. But it's it, it, I do think most of it is happening unconsciously, and that's it's actually you know it's actually more dangerous that that's the case. Um, you know, but this is if this is something Carl Jung talked about. You know, uh, about the 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 kind of it's a, it's essentially a mass psychosis or, you know, it is, it is correctly identified as a, as a mass mental illness. I mean, that, that is what's happening, you know, and it, it's, it's because we don't know how to live our lives anymore. We don't know how to, we don't know how to, to, to be human anymore. We're, we're subject to all these, these horrific forces of, of, you know, our own, our own dogmas and all our own, and we don't know how to regulate our desires or our emotions correctly. We're, you know, we're, we're completely disconnected from our history. All these things contribute. Um, uh, so I, I guess to kind of loop back, um, you know, that's, it is, it is fundamentally, you know, the weak, the weakening of the spirit or the weakening of the soul that, that leads to these, that leads to these kinds of, uh, you know, these forms of really the, the unconscious desire to be, under authority to be, you know, to not have the burden of freedom and to be just this, this nameless, faceless entity, because it would be, it's, it's more difficult to not, to not, to be anything but that. Yes, except it is much more difficult to be a nameless, faceless entity who gives yeah. up everything in the end. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, definitely uh, mass psychosis or the phenomenon of the erigore or how you say it. Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, it just takes you over. Um, <clears throat> sometimes I'm wondering how many people are consciously one one wondering about today just thinking through all of this but uh, when i say that western leaders have decided that they want the chinese system that is now pretty much fact because they're implementing social credit systems everywhere now mm-hmm. uh, have you seen what they're doing in australia right now uh, I've seen bits and pieces. I mean, I've. Um, I don't, are you referring to just the the, the, the lockdown and the, the military coming in, or or the so? I mean, there's a social credit thing happening there. I think as well too. Or I heard about that being a possibility. Yeah, in Great Britain and in France and in Norway and in the United States, and uh, it is your current administration. Mm-hmm really behind all of it um so that is a very clever thing to do if hyper inflation and hyper corruption come uninvited then you just need to uh, clamp down and take the reins you can call it whatever some people are calling it communism some people are calling it anarcho tyranny some people are i like most to compare it with nazism i think that is the most correct uh terminology in terms of the psychotic character of the whole movement that we have to cleanse everything we will have zero covid everyone must get tested coupled with collectivism and uh sort of a weird morality and also a lot of like green movement and vegan movements as well mm-hmm. the nazis had that too mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's I, I i think you're right that the psychological roots are quite are quite um parallel to nazism in many ways like in particular um you know and you kind of see that i mean you see that more overtly too with the critical race stuff as well you know there is it's quite ironic that you know the you know many of the very people who are constantly trying to uh, cleanse the world of, supposedly cleanse the world of, of Nazis and Nazism and white supremacy and these sorts of things that have, you know, that have been around perhaps or have been, uh, you know, more predominant are they, them, they themselves becoming, you know, essentially because they fight so hard against it, you know, inevitably, inevitably they become, they become those things in some perverse way. Uh, definitely uh it is the great irony i suppose you could call it that but uh yeah it's gonna be a tricky one to navigate and uh, i think it's i think we will both sooner rather than later uh be afraid of speaking what we uh, believe to be 
truth and to be correct. But I think that uh, stopping to do that, refusing to speak the truth, that uh, is not the solution. So, as you said, courage. And uh, therefore, so there's a lot of people who are talking anonymously. They call themselves Anons on Twitter. Many of them are just trolling and some have some very good points. But uh, if you're afraid of being shadow banned on Twitter, you're not going to be able to handle being shadow banned in the real world. Yes, I, I, I think, well, you're definitely right that there are, there are some surprisingly insightful uh, anons, if you will, on Twitter and, and elsewhere. But it is, it is, there is something about it that's, that's not fully authentic or not fully um, something that's lacking there that, you know, because inevitably you will bump up against this, you know, or we have to assume that that's the case. You will, there will come a time when, you know, they're, you know, they're knocking at your door. And so, you know, you have to be, you have to be psychologically prepared for that, I suppose. Yes, and uh, that is difficult. I think that is uh, a big part of the reason why people are simply following along. And now, of course, I went straight into the COVID thing, but considering what we're talking about, it fits so perfectly. And uh, when you have the whole uh, vaccine thing, you get two. And what happens? you have to wear masks again and they lock down again and then you have to get three and the people who don't want to get them well they will be forced to get them and uh, for every shot you submit yourself to the deeper the spider's net is uh, tightened but at the same time we can uh, find lots of hope because they are the crown jewel clowns. They truly are. Uh, they, they are just funny sometimes. Like if you, it, it doesn't help to, to bully or be mean and stuff. I have been kind of mean lately. I just <laughs> I went overboard last year. I just couldn't like believe it. That literally so many people who uh, were like uh, really preoccupied with uh, finding uh, Nazis online and reading about it they were now suddenly saying that uh, yes uh, we should definitely uh, implement medical apartheid and then I said you realize what what's going to happen because of that right and then you just said well that's your opinion and I'm like, no, there's a difference between an opinion and a fact. And you need to own up to that fact that if you are supporting that, you, you need to just know you're going to be in the history books someday. And, uh, but they just can't handle it because I don't think people's soul are capable of diving down into those depths. And uh, there's a lot of hero figures, but I think myself, that Christ is the biggest hero figure uh, because whether you believe in him or not, 
because he spoke truth to power and was tortured and died. And uh, he, uh, he showed fear. He had human sides. And mostly it's about love. And uh, I think the love power is greater than the beast power myself. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think, I think uh, it's, it's tough competition for Christ uh, as a, as the Unitarian figure uh, of, yeah, I mean, of, of a lot of things of, of courage, of love, you know, and, and I, and I do think fundamentally that, that, that love is the, you know, love for being, love for, love for existence itself, love for life, is what will save us. It's the only thing that can. And love for truth, mm -hmm. and compassion, and also forgiveness. That is a very important part mm -hmm. to be able to forgive, and also to be able to identify our own faults and our own shortcomings without assaulting ourselves and uh, criticizing ourselves and uh, you see what they're up to there's a reason why they call it deconstruction uh, that's what they like to do we like to do construction there's a difference so uh, through life try to uh, build people up Try to like make them believe in themselves and uh, know, like show that you hear them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, instead of all the projection, uh, Nietzsche with the the shepherd, you know, the flock turning on the shepherd. Narcissism. It's a very ancient energy, and uh, yeah. You see that with people from the Inquisition going over and saying, you have the devil in you. And uh, who has the devil? Well, it's the dude from the Inquisition. He is the devil. Mm -hmm. Because the devil is the accuser and the liar. So uh, that's why archetypically we tie that up to the devil. And that is not to make this seem scarier than it's supposed to be. But it's just, you don't even have to believe. You just like to see why mm -hmm. that ancient tale of the devil is so important and so easily recognized. Because that is the spirit of him. And everything starts with pride. You'll see that in your own life as you go through it uh, if you bump into pride a bit too much, some nasty things will start to happen to you on a personal level. Hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, what was it? I'm trying to think, I don't know if that's what, I think, well, I guess, I guess Peterson probably said arrogance. But I think I think he has described evil as being um, some combination of of arrogance and ignorance. Mm, yes. Kind of kind of this this you know or or I think I actually think he he said something like evil is 
evil is the force which believes itself complete, something like that. Oh. I think that I think that's I think that's incredibly powerful and insightful, and I think it's yeah. connected to what you're saying. Yeah, it is. And uh, there's no wonder Peterson went down the way he went, because he was staring into this and uh, seeing what I think I am seeing too. That is mm. about to start happening. And that made him, of course, uh, very afraid and demoralized. And it crushes the spirit eventually, because that is the point of it to begin with. But, like I said, they're memeing themselves into the ground. They are just, uh, to some level, it's, it's if you can find the comedy in it too, if if at all possible, just try to see if you can uh, find some humor. Uh, laughter makes your life much more tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It seems to be quite the antidote to these, to this type of nonsense. Yes. So uh, I'm going to start working on that through my writing and all kinds of stuff. I've been. Uh, COVID posting a bit too much, uh, <laughs> but I think now people should realize it. And if they don't, I don't think I can help them. They they can come ask me once they're standing there later, if I'm still around, <laughs> then we can talk about it. But in the meantime, I'm going to focus more on poetry and theology and uh, maybe some comedy. I'm going to try to be funny. Get some people some spirit juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need more of that. We need much more of that. Yes, definitely. Much more spirit juice. It's definitely. It's a good, it's a good so uh, much more. phrase. Because you just see uh, there are great comedians uh, everywhere. One of my favorites is Dave Chappelle. Mm. I think he's really, really funny. He is. <laughs> he's, he's very, very good. Yeah. He's so good. And uh, <clears throat> so you still have good uh, comics, but you see what happens with uh, the woke comedy and the woke entertainment and whatever. Like it does exactly what it was supposed to do. Just like go, you know, into the basement. It's just propaganda. I mean, it, it you know, it's, yeah. it has no soul. You know, and, and so it, that's, inevitable, that's inevitable for, for that sort of thing. Yeah, that's why narcissism is so dangerous. And this also has to do with technology and social media. And uh, we're all part of it. But I sometimes I've been like considering going rogue off, offline. But I'm thinking, like, what, what's the point of that? I need to use what I do have. Like right now, I can't meet anybody really. Uh, most things are closed. So use what we do have. But with narcissism, uh, some people seem to think that what that is is an elevated ego and someone who thinks very highly of themselves. But I think narcissism really is someone who does not have an inner compass. And so they are just mirroring and mimicking their surroundings in order to maximize their own progress and profit and their own self-image. 
And this is why they are so easily taken over by foreign entity energies because they're not actually uh, conducting their business from a grounded place of the self in a way now of course it's kind of dangerous talking dehumanizing if you want to go all the way into it but in a way i think it's like they're soulless mm-hmm. and what's so scary and dangerous is that they mimic social media and social media rewards that behavior mm. and so it becomes a double slit experiment and uh, yeah that is part of the danger i suppose <laughs> oh yeah i think that's exactly right i think what we're seeing now is 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 partly that it's a mass it's a mass wave of narcissism and this is something that that Roger Scruton, in particular, warned about very, very heavily before he passed away, um, which I found very um, insightful. And I think I think he was correct that this was kind of, to me, it, it seemed like one of his greatest warnings. That you know we 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 do live in this culture of of narcissism precisely because we've we've lost our spirituality, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean you know. To be religious exactly right to be you know to to be christian or not or, or something like that it, it it's it's deeper than that even perhaps it's it's about having a connection a truly authentic connection to the self mm. and being able to look inward and you know and to be able to see the beauty in the other and 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 and, and to not just project not simply project one's desires onto the world but to be open to the beauty that's already there you know and and i and i do think that beauty along with truth and goodness um you know that's kind of the the triad that he uh, that he put forth yeah. so often um I do, I do think that beauty you know as, as dostoevsky said beauty will save the world mm-hmm. and I, I, I do believe that to be the case, and I think it is actually the, the antidote to narcissism in, in some important way. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, then back to the lie and the propaganda. That is why they are assaulting truth, but also beauty itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna dig too deep into it, but there's a lot of contemporary art uh, mm-hmm. that is celebrated. Where I don't know, for instance, a, a young woman she will make a wax figure of herself and then she will hack it with an axe and maybe defecate on it or something like that. And that's like, <laughs> wow, that's so brave, you know? It's <laughs> so brave, yes. yeah, stunning and brave. Um, and then big pharma, of course, uh, has to do with this, with people being on these like Brave New World kind of uh, drugs. Okay. Uh, an interesting observation is the Olympics. So many athletes, they have, uh, well, had to resign because of mental issues, as they say. And uh, then 
they're all praised in society because of that and it becomes a big virtue fest in the propaganda downtown central mm -hmm. but really what's happening is that <laughs> they're not allowed to use Adderall in that country so they're dropping out because they're not allowed to, to take government prescribed meth so there you see what they've done to your country uh, and the West, but particularly the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, they have just hooked you up on very destructive drugs. And uh, that reminds you of what they did to China in the opium mm. uh, trade, you know, very similar. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly, um, the drugs are just one, you know, it, it's just, I mean, it's, it's a substantial one, but it's just one, one feature of our, you know, of our, you know, really of our, of our spiritual crisis in the West, you know, it's, and, and, you know, and, and it, it goes, it goes hand in hand with, with modern psychology too. I mean, really, and, and psychiatry, I suppose it's, you know, it's essentially just this, you know, I it's so, it's so demoralizing too. To, to go to a psychologist and to, you know, and all they tell you is that, you know, it's fine. It's okay that you're depressed or that you're anxious or that, you know, those sorts of things, which is correct in a sense, but it's their, their solution is not for you to actually become better, a more, a more competent person or a more formidable person more capable of taking on the world. It's, it's, it's instead to, to load you up with drugs and to make you this, this, this soulless vitality, this being completely void of, of vitality and life, you know, and, and it, it's, it makes perfect sense. You know, when you, if you, if you think about, you know, the kind of the vision of post-modernity for, for, for society and, and yeah, the architecture reflects that too. I mean, you look around and, nothing's inspiring, right? You go into a city or, or, you know, some, some industrial complex and, and you just, you feel your soul leave your body when you see the architecture. And it's just the opposite, complete opposite of, of, you know, the experience of going to almost anywhere in Europe, you know, that still has, you know, that, that, that still has, um, you know, that, that's of, that's of some age, right? Which is why, you know, like for, for all of my, for all of my uh, gratitude for being born in the United States and for, for being engaged in this culture, I, 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 I do feel something uh, inherently missing here. And I think the architecture in particular in Europe is, is something that I, that I long to see and I, and I hope to see very soon, actually. But mm. that's, yeah, yeah. You, you should definitely get going. If you yeah, have that's, that's the plan. Good. That would be fun. Uh, Italy, France, mm -hmm. everywhere, really. Not Norway. We have some uh, pretty cool old staved churches, but <laughs> that's basically <laughs> it. It's not <laughs> that spectacular. <laughs> yeah, I actually may be going to Norway in particular because my, my, uh, one of my close friends is there now. Um, oh, cool. But So I might start there. <laughs> well, if you go to Norway, give me a heads up. Oh yeah, I will. I will, I will let you know. Uh, we can have a coffee. <laughs> but um, 
thank you for the talk tonight or today for for you i guess uh, i enjoyed it and i will uh, publish it and uh, i'm happy to get going into the podcast again uh, lots of stuff happened all at once uh, exams and my grandfather passed and after that i was just kind of uh, not into podcasting for a while but now i will be uh, doing it steadily but it was a very interesting conversation and you're only 18 so uh we can uh, expect much more <laughs> <laughs> yes i hope so i'll try to be around yeah yeah, yeah this was this was great thank you for the opportunity this was uh yeah, this was a lot of fun. so welcome it was uh awesome and uh, just uh, give me a heads up if there's anything or whatever, and uh, if you're coming. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, sounds good. Well, take care. Take care, my friend.